and welcome to Borborygmy, Noises from the Veterinary World, a new show that lets you overhear conversations between veterinary professionals about anything and everything that's topical in the industry. This season, we'll be bringing you a range of chats recorded at the London Vet Show, featuring a wide range of friends and colleagues discussing their thoughts on some of the triumphs and tribulations encountered by those in the veterinary industry. Borborygmy is a collaboration between the London Vet Show, Vet Times, Vets Stay Go Diversify and Smashing the Ceiling. Thank you to everyone involved so far for your help and support. It's been very much appreciated. Today's guests on Borborygmy are Daniela Dos Santos and Dave Hollinshead. Daniela qualified from the Royal Veterinary College in 2012 and has recently been elected president of the British Veterinary Association. She is leading the charge to build on inclusivity and diversity within the veterinary community and is a huge believer in ensuring that people from all backgrounds are able to enter the profession. Here she speaks with Dave, a small animal vet who qualified from Cambridge Vet School in 2011. Dave is based in Sheffield and works in emergency and critical care. Both entered into the veterinary profession from very different backgrounds, but as you'll hear in this conversation, each of them face surprisingly similar challenges along the way. We've both had some really poor career advice, haven't we, in trying to trying to get here? Definitely. So um, I went to um, private school up to the age of about 17 and started boarding at seven. So I've had quite a, quite a privileged background from most people's sort of uh, perceptions. And yeah, well, my career's advice was, oh, you want to be a vet? Okay, uh, I think you need good grades for that. Sciences, yeah, let's do that. That'll be good. Yeah, let's go for that. Um, I only decided when I was sort of, 16 17 to be a vet um for various reasons i mean you know the career is great gets you know see cases all the way through you're a surgeon as well as you're a medic and you know there's just limitless possibilities for what you can do with the role so um you know and it's a profession as well you know you actually get to do something to actually be be on the ground floor but at the same time you can steer you know you can steer policy like you do danielle you know, well that was slight accidental <laughs> accidental career move there but no no i agree I, I love our profession i think we get to do so many fabulous things and there's so many different areas we can go into but it's interesting you know i i didn't go to private school i went to an inner city school inner city comp all girls school uh no one in my family had been vets or had even gone to university and um I decided quite early, so there's a slight difference there. I decided when I was four, five, six that you know all I ever wanted to be was a vet. Um, but my careers advisors were pretty much no people from your background. They we they don't become vets. Think about do something else. Um, I guess it's a slightly different story, isn't it? Most people you speak to they want to be vets from you know being knee high to a grasshopper. Um, how how did that influence the careers advice? Do you think? You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I think the the one real big stumbling block I had was um, I was at uh, my my mum was uh, sort of quite a big event so we had sort of you know five horses in the stables at one stage when I was growing up I was an only child as well so um, my dad was out you know working and my mum was mostly in the stables so I spent a fair bit of time out there as well I now don't want to touch horses ever again but um, (laughs) that's by the by Um, but uh, basically because I only decided quite late on um, having gone out to the the track with the vet that I knew through the family um, he was an admissions tutor for one of the universities and basically looked at me and said, don't bother applying. And um, I thought, you know, naughty words, you. Um, <laughs> I'll go ahead, you know, because, you know, to be a vet, I think you do need a certain amount of drive. And, you know, obviously, I, I 
got enough to get through, so that was good. Um, but yeah, um, the, the rejection letter was subsequently forthcoming in, in the post oh, not long gosh. afterwards. But there we go, you know, these things happen. I think it was mostly to do with the work experience. So at the time when I was applying, so that would have been, I qualified in 2011, so 2005-ish, there was quite a stringent list of you need two weeks at equine, two weeks at farm, you know, you need to spend this long on a farm. I had all that, I could have ticked all those boxes. But it wasn't anything special, if that makes sense. It was a tick box rather than I wanted to be from the age of knee-high to a grasshopper and I've got, you know, a dad who's a vet and all these things. Um, So I think it was a little bit that. I don't know, probably was a bit naive as well, to be fair. Mm. But, you know, being a vet, you know, as anybody that's a vet that's listening to this will know, is is a very odd career. You know, you have to be a very particular type of person to to sort of get through it, if that makes sense. Um, And they just didn't really have any concept of that. You know, the main thing they were interested in was, oh, yeah, you'll need these grades here, which is lovely, you know, and actually getting through private school. You know, we we are trained to syllabuses. You know, it it isn't, I imagine it is is a lot easier to get the higher grades just because, you know, you, you are pushed quite hard. But equally well, to actually get onto the vet course, you need a lot more than that, which I don't think they were aware of. Listening to you, I think there's a couple of differences, but there are huge chimes here that, you know, that we have very similar issues. So, uh, as I say, my single parent family, my mother was a cleaner, never been to university. No one in my family had been. She was an immigrant. You know, she came here and and built her life here. And um, luckily, I had a very supportive mother. And, you know, financially, she wasn't capable of giving me very much. But she always encouraged me, you know, if you want to do something, you go for it. I I don't care what it is. You just have to enjoy it because you're doing it 40 years but when you are in the state education system in a tough, you know, I grew up in Lambeth um, in, in central London. And at the time I was growing up, it was it's quite a deprived um, part of London. And so if you go through the state education system um, in those scenarios, their focus is very different. You know, they don't they don't have the resources to drive individual students necessarily. And so um, it was always a case of that. That's really tough, you know one in however many people get in I really think you should reconsider this so there was never there was acknowledgement that I could get the grades but there was always a but you're never going to make it people from inner city London people from your background you, you, they just don't become vets so I think I, I there was almost a stopper tried to be put on my career pretty much from very early on from the stereotype that people like me don't become vets um so whilst your career's tutor was actually you need to get these grades but ignorant of the rest my career's tutor was no you need to think of something else so I guess there had to be a bit more tenacity there to to get through um but I think the work experience is, is an interesting aspect of this as well because I think there's a lot of conversation in the profession at the moment looking at graduate outcomes and things like that about you know work experience and I think the universities and I would say certainly since we went through so I graduated in 2012 and that's actually not that long ago when you think about the grand scheme of things I think they've acknowledged that there are certain backgrounds, certain areas of the country. So it's not just about inner city kids. If you live in a, a very rural area, um, but you're um, not from a privileged background, actually getting yourself to a farm or to a veterinary practice would be tough. So I think they have acknowledged that actually this fixed blocks of you need two weeks of this, two weeks of that, because that's what I went through, um, doesn't suit all of the profession, all the potential vets in, in, in our country. And so they have changed the criteria slightly and if you look at it I think the vet schools have acknowledged that which is great but there is still a challenge with um, getting work experience isn't there? I think so um, I think it is it is tricky as well because like you were saying you know you need to be a very particular type of person you need a certain amount of drive to be a vet and there is a lot of 
you know, I mean, I've got two kids, three and five, and, you know, the way they talk about vets at the moment, you know, it's kind of that standard stereotype. Oh, they're lovely, fluffy people. They love animals. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, we all know that it's, you know, clients rather than animals that you're treating most of the time. You know, if you want to treat animals, probably be a nurse. That's, that's you know, they, they get to spend much more time with the animals than we do, certainly where I work. Um, you know, I'm mostly dealing with clients on the phone. I'm, you know, running lab equipment. I'm doing various bits like that. So it's, it's, it is quite different. Being in an inner city, central London, I could find a small animal practice. And I was very lucky I did find small animal practices and I became, you know, their Saturday girl, which is a story for a lot of us. And that gave me a lot of experience. But, for example, wanting to get farm placement, you know, there are inner city farms. It doesn't give you a realistic expectation of farm life, does it, and farm practice. So there are various things. That, there's the logistics here, you know, living in central London um, as a kid, not driving, I could get a train so far. But then what? Um, and then you're also in the situation where you need the money to do it as well. And when you come from a single parent family, living on a cleaner's wage, you know, my mum kept a roof over my head and, you know, I never went without food or anything like that. But actually the extra for the travel was always going to be a challenge. So there is that factor. So, yeah. But then with the lack of networks, it's much harder to get in. And I think um, that's probably a part that the profession could do better in is is helping with these networks. And um, there are all sorts of complexities there. You know, you talk about the insurance implications of having a 14 or 15 year old senior practice with you and and there are factors there and I guess that's probably why the vet schools have acknowledged actually the system doesn't work. I managed to get a work experience placement in an abattoir which I think actually a lot of people would really struggle now for you know security reasons but I was getting on a a train to somewhere in Essex and then walking 45 minutes to an hour just to get there and I did that for a whole week but that's because I had the tenacity but can you imagine if there's kids out there who are bright enough but they have no networks they don't see anyone above them that's encouraging them to 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 join our profession you know I was lucky in that I didn't have to come home every evening and cook for my brother and and clean the house or whatever my mum was still doing that but can you imagine if you're in a caring situation actually going out and getting these work experiences is pretty tough um did you find getting your placements so I had um, a number of connections as you know as mentioned the the track vet that told me you know don't bother applying um you know that that was a that was that placement was got through a family friends um you know because my mum was vented obviously we knew several vets you know I, I hate to think how much the vets bills were for five horses but you know <laughs> <laughs> there we go um so we knew, knew several vets um so I did get some through there but I'll be honest I think the most useful placements I had were ones I actually went out and found myself you know for my own interest just went in because I just had a bit more drive there and I think to be of that I think you do need that drive and I don't think you know I, I agree with you you know single parent you need to clean your you know yeah. own home things like that then yeah you're going to struggle but I do think think you do need to have a certain amount of I really want to do this because as soon as you come out of vet school it's a lot different for a lot of people than what you expect um, but really interesting actually what you said I remember I, I went to Cambridge obviously I saw a lot of people from a lot of different um, uh, backgrounds as well and a lot of different courses too mm. so you know part of the freshest thing was you know you'll get together and have a drink and a philosophy student came up to me and said oh you're a vet be really interested I was oh, come out come out of London it's first time I've been out of London for ages on the train up you know up to Cambridge and there was this there was this animal in the field and it was it looked like a cow but it was brown and i was like yeah so i have every sympathy with you you know definitely live an entire life in a city and not see you know not see any animals at all so um i had four rejection letters before i got my um, acceptance so i i got in at the fifth attempt what would i change do you know if uh, giving the vet schools credit they have changed a lot um in terms of their um entry requirements to acknowledge the fact that we don't all come from the same background and in different geographical locations and different socioeconomic backgrounds you're going to have different challenges um, but I, I agree with Dave when he says you do need the tenacity to do this you do need the drive and you do need a realistic ex- expectation of what 
life as a vet is going to be. So work experience is is hugely, hugely important. I guess if, if I could if I could say one thing is we need to stop telling kids they can't do it. We just we just need to stop whatever your background. We need to be honest with them about the realities. You know, you need to work hard and, and you know, it will be tough and it's five years. And we need to be honest with them, but we need to stop telling them you can't do it. We need to facilitate and help them as to how, how they can go about it looking at their different circumstances and situations and I guess I personally feel we almost need to be a bit more positive about our profession because we have of course we have our downsides but I still maintain that this is the best profession in the world and I wouldn't do anything else and we need to of course make young people aware of the challenges but also sing from the rooftops the amazing things that we do yes we get to treat animals but we work with people we work with fantastic teams and we it opens up so many different doors it's not just about clinical practice you could end up doing so much else so we just need to stop telling kids they can't do it and just need to understand individual situations and try and help facilitate that I think for me, I've got, you know, say a three and a five year old at the moment and looking at the way, you know, sort of, uh, you know, people in the playground talk to me about being a vet. I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that we treat animals, you know, not people, whereas we, we very much treat people and it is a social job. And certainly, you know, from the background I came through, there are a lot of people that were very high functioning, you know, intellectual people that saw veterinary as a big challenge because, you know, it's 10 people to one place when I was applying, you know, it was a big challenge. Um, and the fact that you sort of come into the veterinary profession, you know, actually you're, you're kind of progression through the veterinary profession there isn't really that same ceiling you're aiming for in, as you are through vet school and all of a sudden all you're doing is talking to clients all day which is hugely you know compassion fatigue we talk about a lot you know it is very very tiring and it does burn a lot of people out and i don't think there's enough out there for people to realize that's what we do you know we're essentially i mean you could argue a salesman really you know we sit there and we say your animal needs this you know and actually if you look back you know i try and any vet student that comes through my door i try and say to them you know of the vets you know who do you think is the best vet okay who they say what i want to know is why why are they the best vet and is it because they've done this amazing procedure that nobody's done before or is it because they were really nice and usually you know how do we build relationships with our you know clients it's when we kill their animals you know that's not <laughs> that's that you know could be perceived as a really bad outcome but actually it's where we get the best things it is it is all about people and it really is and like you say the teams as well that's a common misconception you know vets are team leaders yeah we are but we don't always lead and we certainly need to be collaborative in the way that we work because there is no way we can juggle everything because you know the buck stops with us for a lot of stuff but actually we need support in all of that because otherwise we would drop so many more balls it's interesting you say it's about people if i if i think now about who my role models in the profession are they're not necessarily those that do the really um fancy they're not the ones that do the fancy ops or or save the lives uh, if i step back they're the ones that the clients look up to and the clients trust so it is about people and, and yeah i would agree my role models are certainly the people people rather than the animal people I'm Sophie Walsh, part-time vet and full-time science documentary maker. Thank you again for listening.